Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Now we're going to carry on today with our series in Philippians, which has been entitled EG, for example. And it's all about Paul setting an example to the Philippians, one which they followed. Now Paul's letter is from his imprisonment in Rome. He's facing an uncertain future and he wants to share his message with the church at Philippi that he is rejoicing in his sufferings and he wants to urge them to do likewise. The letter gives us an insight into the special relationship that Paul had with the Philippian church. He considered them friends and partners in the gospel. They in turn received the message that Paul brought to Philippi. The first convert was Lydia, who invited Paul into our home. And Paul was an example of how a disciple of Jesus should live. They saw the power of the kingdom when he cast out a demon from a young woman. They saw how he was prepared to suffer for the gospel when he was arrested, beaten and imprisoned. They then heard the story of the worship session. They heard the story of the earthquake and they heard about the jailer and his family who came to faith and were baptised. And the underlying message that Paul wants to communicate to the Philippians is to live kingdom lives through faith in Jesus Christ, to endure suffering and to rejoice in the Lord. Our passage today is Philippians 1, 27 through to chapter 2, verse 2. And I'm going to read that now. Above all else, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We're in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Now, as we unpack these verses, we can get a clear sense of what Paul is saying to the Philippian church. And we can begin to see how we are to live out these verses ourselves today. Now, of course, Paul's teaching is grounded in the gospel message, the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is the real king of the world. And people all over the Roman Empire were being preached the gospel, that Jesus is king. And people were coming to faith. They were receiving forgiveness. 
they were being baptised, they were entering in to this new kingdom. And people, as they turned and believed, received forgiveness and eternal life. Now, of course, the message was very, very countercultural. It was against Caesar and the Roman Empire. And of course, as Caesar, he demanded that all his subjects should show allegiance to who he was, the real king of the world. And he even claimed to be God. But Paul is preaching the good news that Jesus Christ is king. And of course, Paul suffered persecution for proclaiming the gospel. And he did he also was persecuted in Philippi. And the Philippians could see how much Paul was willing to suffer for the sake of the message. As we unpack these verses, I think we can break it down into three parts. And I've given each part a heading. The first one is living it out. And then we're going to look at sticking it out. And then we're going to look at sticking it, sticking together. We'll look at each in turn. Verse 27 reads, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Now, as disciples, we are to live as kingdom people with a kingdom mindset that informs our thinking, our acting, and the way that we interact with the world. Jesus came to turn the world upside down. Serving was to be valued above status. And one of the things he taught his disciples was to pray. And the prayer he gave us, the Lord's Prayer, starts like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth, as it is in heaven. And our living purpose is to see the kingdom advance by seeing people's lives changed and situations changed as God's kingdom power is released. By faith, we came to Jesus Christ to receive his grace, to receive forgiveness, to receive eternal life. It's that transaction where Jesus took all the wrong things that we do, the wrong things that we feel, the wrong things that we think, and he exchanges them for a new life, a new identity, a new beginning, and a new family. We receive the Holy Spirit as a seal that we are and we do belong to Jesus. And that Holy Spirit, when we receive it through faith in Christ, begins to transform us from the inside out. Paul writes to the Corinthians, we are new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. And in Romans 12, Paul writes, we need to be no longer conformed or shaped by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And what that says is that we must be open to challenge by the Holy Spirit, to change the way we think, for him to root out any prejudice, any wrong mindset that we may have that's not in line with God's character and who he is. Because we are to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. 
Now, when I first came to this church, it was called Tankerton Evangelical Church. And that was 50 years ago. And I can say that the church was different in those days. And I was a different person. Over the years, God has moved amongst us to change our thinking, changed our attitudes and changed our behaviour. You see, as a church, we were strong on the preaching of the word and on worship, but we needed to be more open to the things of the Spirit. It was a journey that we made as a community and it was a journey that I made individually. You see, Christ-like behaviour and character doesn't happen immediately we come to faith in Christ. It takes days, weeks, months and years for that character to be formed in us. I spend time in the Word, I read Christian books, I listen to sermons, I engage in worship. And when this happens, I connect with God. It can happen when I'm alone, by myself, in a small group or in a church gathering in a quiet space or in a worship session that's raising the roof. And as I do this, I connect with God and it's like his likeness rubs off on me. And we are to be changed and we are to mature in our faith. Perhaps we speak less and listen more. We're slower to judgment. We learn to speak the truth in love. We want the best for others and we see the best in others. Now this doesn't apply just to our relationships within the church. It applies to everyone we meet. To follow Jesus is to love God and to love people. Now loving God can be a challenge, but loving people, well now that is a real stretch, isn't it? People can be so annoying and irritating and you know what they can just be what just people however Jesus sees beyond that outward exterior that maybe we don't like and he sees the person who he died for and he sets us a pattern of how we are to behave and how we are to interact with people we are to display love and kindness to all, no matter how they treat us. Christians should be loving, joyful, peacemakers. And I think the grumpy, judgmental Christians who create division are a really poor witness to the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're an obstacle to people coming to faith. Of course, our character will be continually being transformed. And as we become kinder, more patient, more gentle, faithful and being good to everyone, there will be daily obstacles that we will encounter. There will be tests that we will have to pass. There will be irritating people, annoying people, and there will be things that just go wrong for no apparent reason. And then there'll be those temptations that come and try and trip you up because there is an enemy who knows our weaknesses and he wants us to fail but we are by faith to keep going you know it's not enough that we just fight there is no neutral ground it's a war that we're involved in 
C.S. Lewis wrote that every second and in every location, we're in a war, we're fighting for our faith. Living for Jesus means not going with the flow. It means a living a life that stands out as different. Paul knew this, so he encouraged the Philippians to stand firm against the opposition that would almost certainly come. So our second point is stick it out. Now, before we get into that, I just want to talk a little bit about something that's not really part of the main message. Now, we've read, if you read this Philippians, you know back in chapter, further back in the chapter, and he talks about whether he should live or die. And if we're not careful, it can seem that Paul is setting an example that we should be these super-duper Christians, always on the top of our game, never doubting, always rejoicing. So I think it's good to hear something else that Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter to them. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying upon ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. Paul honestly shared his experience, his feelings of being overwhelmed. He wanted people to know the mental and emotional pressure that he was experiencing. And as we progress through this lockdown and we begin to emerge from it, it's okay not to be okay. I was impressed by Prince William, who had a programme talking about mental health and how we are encouraged to talk about our mental struggles. And I think as Christians, we need to be at the forefront, willing to share our personal struggles. We're a community that wants to be real, wants to be authentic. So if you've had a wobble or two, it's okay. Now I've wobbled mentally, I've wobbled emotionally, and I've even wobbled physically. But I put that last bit down to the chocolate and the buns that I've been buying as treats to try and get us through this difficult time. Paul says at times when we wobble, it can bring us to the end of ourselves and it brings us to a place where we rely upon God. And that works its way out practically by the fact that we can be there for one another. You can be a listener. You can be a comforter when someone wobbles. Or when you wobble, there will be people there for you. So if you're finding things, life a bit difficult at the moment, life a bit hard, pick up the phone and speak to somebody. Phone into the office and I'm sure somebody will be able to be put in contact with you and help you. Anyway, let's get back to the passage. Paul writes in Philippians 1, 28 to 29, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering with him. Intimidation in our culture is more subtle than it was in Paul's time. In those days, it could be much more physical and threatening. Declaring, declaring that Jesus as king and God put you in opposition to the rest of the Roman Empire. And of course, in Philippi, 
This was a place, a colony, where Roman soldiers would retire and there'd be a lot of people who were very pro-Caesar. So to stand up and declare that Jesus is king risked real persecution. It risked being thrown in jail and worse. Now Martin reminded us two weeks ago about the persecuted church and that we should pray daily for them. I'm ashamed to say how easy it is here and how easy it is to forget to pray for them. In fact, I read a book where the Chinese Christians were saying, please stop praying that the persecution will end in China. They saw that in persecution, the church flourished. And that's the upside down nature of the kingdom. That's just how it works. When people are suffering and standing up for the message of Christ, others see that and they're attracted to it in some amazing way. Paul also writes to Timothy, telling him this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7. You see, the Holy Spirit that's given to us connects each of us to the Father's love. And as John writes, perfect love casts out fear. And love is the greatest power in the universe. It's not about money. It's not about political power. It's not about force. It's not about fame or popularity. It's simply love. And when you and I are filled with unconditional love for people, we are powerful people. From the Holy Spirit flows that power, that love, and that self-discipline. Our ability not to react. Our choice not to fight back. Our choice to turn the other cheek. When we face intimidation, we're to respond with love and blessing. Bless those who try and silence us and make us fearful. Jesus said, rejoice when people persecute you because you believe in me. Rejoice for your reward will be great in heaven. You see, suffering is a part of the deal. People will reject us. People will ignore us. They'll ridicule us and generally oppose our message and us. And Jesus says, that's okay. Rejoice that you have been given the opportunity in some small way to suffer like Jesus. And I've read a number of books and it talks of prisoners who've been persecuted by their jailers. And they've remembered this verse and they've begun to worship just like Paul did in that prison in Philippi and the presence of God comes and restores them and refreshes them and their jailers are absolutely blown away with an ex exhibition of their faith. In our time and culture intimidation is is more about scepticism it's more about cynicism and dismissiveness the media, newspapers, TV are rarely sympathetic to the Christian faith. And being a Christian is to risk being marginalised in the workplace and in other areas of society. We rarely face the physical dangers that face the Philippians. And our culture also says that we should keep the sacred separate from the secular. 
Now, Paul would not recognise that or accept that as a valid argument, and, and nor should we. We should love and with humility witness to Jesus, proclaiming him king. We should face intimidation with generosity. Because a generous heart can overcome evil with good. Bless those that persecute you. Be bold, church. Be courageous. The challenges are huge. But you know there are signs of change, as we've been hearing, haven't we? More people wanting to know about prayer. More people wanting to know about faith and Christianity. And maybe in the midst of a pandemic, there can be a light that shines. <clears throat> Jesus, the light of the world. And maybe there will be new opportunities for us to share our faith. And I believe that when we do that, and we do that with love and humility, many will respond. So let's carry on sticking at it, sticking out for Jesus. Lastly, we need to stick together. As we look at this passage again, Paul is continually encouraging the Philippians to be united in one mind and together in their witness and suffering. I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. We're in this struggle together. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. I'm using Lectio 365 as part of my daily devotions, and I thank Simon for introducing that to me. There's been a lot on prayer over the last few weeks, and it's been both encouraging and challenging. And one of the topics on one of the days was about what do we do with unanswered prayer? And it appears that Jesus himself has a prayer that's yet to be fully answered. Would you believe that? He was praying in John 17 that all his disciples would be one, just as he and the Father were one. And yet 2,000 years later, this prayer has yet to be fully answered. When I became an elder of uh, the church, uh, we were on the fringes of churches together in Whitstable. We sent along a couple of people to be observers. Uh, we chose some activists, which was really uh, strange. And uh, of course, they came back with events that were happening and things that were taking part. And of course, they wanted us to join in. So it became very clear we either had to be in or out. We couldn't sit on the fence. And so we decided to fully engage with the Churches Together movement. When I became pastor, I was privileged to be able to join the ministers meeting. And others had gone before to build up a fellowship, a strong fellowship. And as we united around the person of Jesus, and we did not focus on the things that divided us, we were able to discern and hear God's plan for Whitstable. And as spiritual leaders, we were able to implement a number of projects um, as the one church. I'm talking about street pastors, Christians Against Poverty, the food bank. We meet together regularly with joint meetings. There are other partnerships that go on. 
which gives a sense of unity across the town. In Paul's eyes, people need to put their faith in Jesus. But faith was never to be solely an individual expression. Paul, Paul saw the, the church as the body of Jesus. So that Jesus could be seen through the church. We all had gifts and callings designed to complement each other, in not only in the building up of the church and the building up of individual believers, but also in completing the mission that we're called for. D division will never advance the gospel any more than penguins can fly. If you have a different view from another believer, never let that difference break the bond of unity. You see, none of us have perfect theology. None of us know how to behave perfectly. And Jesus said our first priority is to love God and love one another. Love one another just as I have loved you. By, all, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Jesus taught us that we should love one another. So we should. But of course, we are human and imperfect. And we will hurt each other intentionally or unintentionally and a unity based on love thrives in a culture of forgiveness honor one another and forgive each other just as god has forgiven you unity in a church is a powerful force unity based on love across the churches has the power to turn society upside down Paul urges the church, no, commands the church to live for the kingdom by being of one heart and one mind. Now this echoes the early church in Acts 4, where they changed society and they grew day by day as people were added to the church. Because people saw the love and the power that existed within that early Christian community. When people still see real love, they want to experience it for themselves. And love has the power to melt the hardest heart. Through unity, we become the answer to Jesus's prayer, to love one another. Jesus is the king of all creation and we are his followers. The kingdom is to come and his will is to be done. And we have a role to play in that. And I think the church can be a radical force for good. We show that here at Riverside through our compassion projects. We do Grow Baby, we do the Pantry Project, which has expanded during the coronavirus. And that virus is having a devastating effect on people's lives. People are going to be unemployed. The disadvantaged are going to be worse off. We're seeing food banks having to scale up their operations because people are in need. Climate change hasn't gone away. Social care has come under scrutiny. There are a lot of problems that need solutions. And our governments are struggling with this across the world. And yet, amazingly, I think the church, God's people, through the wisdom that God can give, can be a real force for change. I believe we need to seek God for wisdom and insight into the problems that we face as a society. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's a big vision. How on earth can we engage in that as a small community? We know in times past, Christians led the way in ending slavery, in reforming prisons, in taking care of orphans 
and in educating children. And that's just a few of the things that is part of our Christian heritage. So, I believe we can be part of the solution. We can do that by seeking to work with others who are like-minded, who want to see change for good. Riverside has collaborated with a charity called Red Zebra to widen the reach of our pantry project so that we can meet out, reach out to people in need. And partnering and collaboration is not something that we should fear, but it is a way in which church can increase and grow in influence. Whilst we help about bring about change in society, we must always remember that introducing people to God who loves them, a saviour who died for them, and a Holy Spirit that can bring new life for them is still our mission. Therefore, Paul calls us to live out our faith in a way that reflects the values of the kingdom. As we come out of the lockdown, we might have to learn some habits that we have fallen into. You know what they are. We are to live unashamed of our faith in Jesus, letting our light shine for Jesus and doing good works that bring glory to God. We're to live unafraid lives, overcoming evil with good, being kind and loving to everyone we meet. We're to stand firm against ways in which our culture wants to mould us in ways that are contrary to the character and nature of God. And as God's people, as God's kingdom people, has his children, his much-loved children, we are to release wisdom, life and life-changing power into people's lives. And I believe we can be part of helping to reshape society to reflect the goodness of God. We do this individually, but as importantly, we do it together as a community. A community that has Jesus at its centre and focusing on Jesus, we forgo, forgo our own preferences and yield to the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. We become servants to one another. We put unity, relationship and love above all else. In oneness, we are attractive of God's people. Divided, we are an irrelevance and an obstacle to the gospel. I believe that as we focus on Jesus, our love for one another can grow and grow. And then we too will grow to be more like Jesus, just as Paul wanted us to be, just as he wanted those Philippians to be. Paul sets that example, and I think it's one he calls each and every Christian to follow. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we have a worship song uh, to follow. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your presence with us today, your presence within the communion that we, we did together, although we're apart. I thank you too, Lord, for the love and the power and the self-discipline that you've given us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to love one another, even as you've loved us. Help us to love the people that we meet day by day, being kind and good to everyone we meet. And Lord, may our lives be a blessing. May there be an outpouring from us of grace and love and peace in the Holy Spirit. And may your church be empowered and motivated 
to engage in helping our society to change for the better. And Lord, may you raise up within the church people of vision and people who uh, have the influence to take forward your agenda, your agenda for people to know your goodness and your love. And Lord, we pray too that in these difficult times, people may find a way to find you. May Jesus, the light of the world, shine out in the darkness for people to find and embrace. So Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you're doing in our midst. We say, come Holy Spirit and do more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>